We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekumski coming to you from the frozen north. We're going to hit a high of 50 degrees today. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Matt tells me that it's actually colder here than it is in Alaska. So, and That's, who uh, who's who's on the other line yes, there? Yes, I'm uh, Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark uh, here in sunny South St. Louis, where we're going to reach a high of about 80 today as we're recording. Uh, so, yeah, sorry, John. Uh, yes, summer is over for you up there in Minnesota. <laughs> I guess. Labor Day weekend hit and it's been downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, but we had, a, we had a beautiful week. You know, it was just perfect. Just what you want. It was in the 70s and everything. And then all of a sudden, boom, we had a 30 degree drop in temperatures. Uh, but they tell me, everyone said, oh, don't worry. It, it'll get back up into the, the 60s. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. Uh, hey, but before we start, I do have good news. I, I know people are concerned about us as persons. And, and of course, uh, everyone knows about six months, six months to the day, I uh, had uh, uh, my heart surgery, emergency open heart. And so we, we had our doctor's checkup and had all of our blood work done. And I want everybody to know I'm doing really well. In fact, all my blood work came back uh, really, really good, cholesterol, all that stuff. Although although the doctor said that my uh, uh, sugar, my sugar uh, was up a little bit. And so he said I needed to cut back on the carbohydrates. And I'm thinking, thank God he didn't say anything about donuts. <laughs> <laughs> He did not specifically so, mention donuts. <laughs> no, donuts were not mentioned. Pies were not mentioned. So I think, well, okay, I'll cut back on the carbohydrates and just have an extra donut then. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor's so, orders, John, you know. <laughs> that's right. Just doing what I'm told. And he said, he said nothing about bacon, did he? No, no. Well, yeah, no, the heart doctor, the heart doctor, you know, that's, that's a Mike different issue. Mike upon bacon. Oh, well, that's why you got the turkey bacon. In fact, you know, the, the uh, cardiac nurse, she called and actually gave me the blood test first before my regular doctor. And she said, oh, well, I see that your, your sugar's up a little bit. And I said, well, what do you expect? You take away fat and you take away salt. It's all I got left. <laughs> That's right. I need something. Come on. I've got to have something. Yeah. yeah. After all, the world's largest candy store is in your backyard up there in Minnesota. Oh, I know. And, and we went there for yet a third time. Because, <laughs> you know, when anybody comes to visit, you got to go to the world's largest candy store. So it is... It'll be good when I get back to St. Louis and I won't have that temptation. Right. <laughs> I'll just go to Fitz's and have have a six-pack of root beer. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Which, again, he didn't say anything about that. So um, mm. so I, I, getting more serious, though, one, one of the things that's – what? go ahead. Oh, we well, need we gotta, to say who we, we are. Say, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> we should probably announce that. This is All right. wrestling, wrestling with the basics. With the basics. Um so one of the advantages of being retired is you 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 can you can think about things, uh, uh, you know when you're a full time pastor like you you don't have any time to think. <laughs> That's right. One thing to the next, action all the time. 
So, so I noticed a few weeks ago we had the passage from uh, uh, Matthew 16. In yes. fact, would you mind reading that? Let's just read the entire uh, text there. Sure. Um, Pick up with verse 13. start reading Matthew 16 from uh, verses 13 through 20. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the, the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah. We've been talking about Jeremiah and wrestling with the basics. Or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then Jesus strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So this, of course, is, is uh, if you're Roman Catholic, this is kind of the fundamental passage to prove the uh, primacy of the Pope, uh, his authority. And uh, if we have time, maybe we'll come back to that and, and, and talk about that a little bit. Uh, because I think if you look at this text, you can clearly see it's not assigning uh, the power to bind and loose the keys of the kingdom to any one man, uh, but to the church as a whole. But but we'll leave that for another time. Well, I guess maybe we'll get to it yet this half hour. Because the thing that struck me is why does Jesus say to Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it? Why doesn't he simply say hell shall not prevail against it. That seems like that would be simple, plain enough. So I'm just going to throw it out to you, Matt. See, I've had time to contemplate this. You you haven't. Um, any thoughts that would come to your mind why he would say the gates of, of hell? Sure. Well, the the gates, you know, that would be the way you get into hell, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, so I, you could think of it in terms of that, that uh, the gates of hell, that entrance to hell will not prevail against the church, that uh, the the church itself, those are centered around Christ, are not going to go to hell. Basically, that the gates of hell won't prevail against them. They won't enter into that place uh, of hell. So, so, uh, and, and again, we're going to do some speculation here today on the basis of Scripture. But, but obviously, the the point is very plain and simple, just like you said, Matt. If you are in the church, you are not going to go to hell, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so don't let me complicate it because the message is just plain, and this is why it is a blessing to be in the church and why we want to welcome everybody to, to come and be part of the church. But but the thought occurred to me, uh, part of the problem, I think, is the word that's actually used in the Greek there for hell. Uh, it could be argued it's not really the technical word for hell. Uh, do you offhand know what word is used there, Matt? Uh, in verse 18, uh, yeah. let's see, not offhand, John, what is it? It's it's Hades. It's Hades. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So literally what he said is is the gates of Hades uh, will not uh, prevail over the church. Um, and the problem with the word Hades is it actually has two different senses. Um, if you read through the, the Old Testament, as I know you do, uh, you'll, you'll often uh, find in the Hebrew, there's a word Sheol. You're familiar with Sheol, aren't you, yep. Matt? Um, and, and when the Greeks translated the Old Testament into the Septuagint, this very highly respected 
a source of Old Testament knowledge, they would always use the word Hades. And, and, and the thing is, in that sense, then, is Hades is a replacement for Sheol, it can simply mean the place where dead people go. Uh, in fact, uh, I've got a couple of passages here, Matt, if you wouldn't mind looking them up and reading them for us. Um, Psalm 89, verse 48. Yep. Uh, what man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? And, and if we were reading the Greek version of that, uh, that's the English translation, but the Greek translation would say, who could deliver his soul from the power of Hades? And, and you can see in that verse, Hades is actually the equivalent of, of death. What man can live and never see death? And who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol or the power of death? You, you see the same thing in Psalm uh, 1610, I think it is. Yeah. Yep. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. And again, in, in the, the Greek translation, it would have been not Sheol, but it would have been Hades, Hades. Uh, and Isaiah 38.10. Sure. Uh, I said, in the middle of my days, I must depart. I am consigned to the gates of she Sheol for the rest of my years. All right. So you have all of these words that the Greeks would have used Hades for. And, and all of them point out that, uh, in fact, that last one, we actually have the phrase, the gates of, yeah. of Hades. Uh, uh, it's just the place where everybody goes when they die. When you die, you go down to Hades. Um, now, that, that's a fine way to deal with the word Hades, and, and, and things get complicated, though, when people start believing that there is a resurrection. And, and I know we just assume the resurrection, but, but we need to understand that there was a time, uh, uh, even in the days of Jesus, when a lot of Jews didn't believe that there was a resurrection from the dead. Uh, are you familiar with that at all, Matt? Well, yeah. So, I mean, I know like the Sadducees and the, the Pharisees, uh, they had a debate about that, right? So the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, the Sadducees didn't. Yeah, so we just assume that, that, that they've always believed in a resurrection, but the fact of the matter is one of the major sects, in fact, in fact, this was the priestly sect. <laughs> Think about that. This is where the priests came from. They, they didn't believe there was a, a, a resurrection from the dead. And, and I'm going to so, share something with you that might shock you, but you know the classic passage uh, uh, from Job where it says, in my flesh uh, and not another, I will see him. Oh, yeah, Job 19, I think it is. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you look at that in the Hebrew, it doesn't necessarily say that in my flesh. It, it says without my flesh. And, and there's a great argument about how that uh, verse should be translated in the Hebrew. And, and even as a respected uh, 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 conservative uh, uh, Old Testament scholar as Kyle Dalich, uh, agree that, no, no, you can't really say that in my flesh. Uh, it's low, so it's actually without my flesh I, I will see the Lord. So, so, But the fact of the matter is, is we now all know that there is a resurrection, and, and I think you can see as, in, as you move through the Old Testament, uh, God is, is certainly pointing us in the direction. If there was a question, it certainly is answered when Jesus rises from, from the tomb. Um, but but I'll use a historical example. Uh, during the time of, of the Reformation, Matt, what did people believe happened when people died? Where did they go? Uh, well, purgatory is place, right. uh, you know, even if you were a Christian, uh, you would go and uh, you wouldn't go directly to heaven, in other words. 
Yeah, and, and like you said, Matt, it, it didn't matter. Uh, regardless, you, you were all going to go, unless you were a saint, there would be a handful of people who were so good that they had ex, ex, extra goodness. But most of us could expect to send se- several thousand years in in uh, purgatory making up for whatever sins and, and we committed. Now, of course, Luther comes on the, <laughs> the, the scene, and, and what does Luther do with the doctrine of purgatory? Well, I mean, basically, it's not in the Bible, it's not in the scripture. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he denies that teaching of purgatory, and and uh, and connected to that, certainly the self indulgences, um, in part to to get out of purgatory or to help someone else get out of purgatory. Yeah, in fact, I'm wondering, Matt, if if they hadn't made it into a a, a thing about indulgences, yeah, if huh. they hadn't brought up this idea of yep. selling indulgences, I'm wondering, we might not have even argued about the doctrine of purgatory. Maybe that wouldn't even have bothered Luther. Yeah, yeah. But but, uh, but yeah, the I fact think, that exactly, I think it's a good point. Go yeah, you know that. Uh, yeah, it was the indulgences that really made him, uh, you know, preach against that, and and because indulgences ultimately we're taking the focus away from Christ and God's grace. And so you can't have that. Uh, and if you don't have indulgences, well, then all of a sudden now that that teaching of purgatory and everything connected to it is in doubt too. So, so the thing is, though, what, once you get rid of purgatory, then you raise all kinds of questions that you never had to ask before. Like, well, what does happen to the souls of our loved ones when they die? Sure. <laughs> Are they asleep? Are they watching over us? You know, uh, and, and, and it, it didn't occur to me. The, the church at the time, the Reformation, they didn't have to worry about that. They knew they were all in purgatory. But now all of a sudden, you, Luther, now you've messed things up. And now we've got to come up with some other theories other answers, which is really hard to do because the Bible doesn't give us a lot of explicit detail about what happens to the souls after they die. And that's a subject for yet maybe another episode of Wrestling with the Basics, because my point is, is once the idea of resurrection got established, then Hades takes on yet a different meaning. It's not simply the place of the dead, uh, because that's not enough, because we know the people who died are going to rise again. And so Hades begins to take on uh, a meaning kind of close to what we would believe is hell. Uh, in fact, there's this classic story about uh, uh, Dives and Lazarus. Remember that story? about? Oh, yeah, the, the rich man and Lazarus. Yep. So if you could read just one verse of that story, we won't do the whole thing. Luke 16, verse 23. Okay. Uh, so this is the, the rich man. Uh, And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Yeah. So so now we have this parable where there is a definite distinction when that happens when people uh, die. And we have the, the poor man, Lazarus. He's at the bosom of Abraham, I think is the language the yeah. Bible uses. Uh, so he's up there at that, that feasting table with Abraham and all the other Old Testament saints. But of course, the rich man is where? He's in Hades, in torment. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, in torment. So, so, so the word Hades can also then have the context of hell as we would think of it. Although, actually, Matt, I, I think I, I think we probably need to translate Hades and not put in the word hell because there's actually a much better word for hell uh, in the the Bible, and it is the word Gehenna, which is the the 
place of fire. And when we think of hell as this eternal place of torment, that, that's usually the word the Bible uses, Gehenna. Just a couple of examples here uh, from the words of Jesus, Mark chapter 9, verse 43. Sure. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And again, in the Greek there, the word is not Hades. It's not Hades. They don't just go to the place of the dead. But it is this word of Gehenna, which is this place of fire where you suffer uh, unquenchable fire, it says. Uh, it, it is the same word, of course, that is in the back of Matthew's mind in Matthew 25, verse 41. Sure. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you curse into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Yeah, see, that's when, you, when you're talking hell, hell, as a place of eternal torment, that's the word you usually use. You use Gehenna. And one last passage, uh, Revelation 20.10. Yeah, and well, just real quick, John, the oh, yeah, yeah, Matthew Matt. 25 verse that we wrote, I think that's important too, because that's really talking about the, the resurrection. That's talking about Christ's oh. return. And yeah. here, here's Jesus himself talking about Gehenna, about that eternal fire. So I think, you know, just again, to just uh, emphasize what you said earlier, uh, with the resurrection now and here at the resurrection, that's what Jesus is talking about. Those who are apart from him are going to Gehenna, you know, that eternal hell. So, yeah. And so thank you, Matt. Yeah. So that's the point. Once you bring in the resurrection, then the terminology gets altered. It gets changed. Uh, and, and Hades is no longer just the place where all the dead go, but Hades becomes the place where the, the unrighteous uh, uh, people go. Uh, depart from me. Uh, I wonder, uh, there's some that speculate that paradise then would be the uh, the equivalent, uh, or not the equivalent, the, the contrast to Hades. So, so if the uh, unrighteous people go to Hades when they die, the uh, uh, righteous people go to paradise, right? Like Jesus yeah. says to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. I, I don't want to argue that point. That's one for the people who know the Greek better than me. Uh, but you're right. Once you get to the resurrection, then you have a definite hell, like we understand hell. You have this Gehenna. And then, yeah, Revelation 2010, okay. one more passage along those lines. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So, so ultimately, uh, the, the place that we would call hell would, would be called Gehenna in the Bible, and it's a place of fire. And then you've got this other place called Hades, and, and like I said, it depends on whether you're reading Old Testament or New Testament, uh, because sometimes it just means the place where everybody goes when they die. Uh, but certainly it can mean hell. It can mean the place where the unrighteous go and there is no, there's a chasm. Remember what, what uh, Abraham says is a chasm between you and me, uh, you and us, and, and it cannot be uh, passed over. But anyway, back to the answer to the question finally. <laughs> It's about time, isn't it? All right, it? John. <laughs> All right. So, so my suggestion would be the reason why Jesus says the gates of Hades. Yes. The because if he, if he simply said that Hades will not prevail over the church, that wouldn't be true. Not if you're thinking of it in terms of death, because certainly uh, Hades will prevail over the church in terms of death. That is going to happen to uh, everyone. Uh, and, and in fact, uh, it's gonna, it happened to Jesus too. Um, 
read Acts 2.27. Here we've got Peter now preaching on Pentecost, and he's talking about Jesus, and he's taking this Old Testament passage again, because this is kind of the Old Testament concept of Hades as the place of the dead. And, and here's what he has to say, Acts 2.27. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so, so Peter's quoting Psalm 16, and he says, uh, For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor let your holy one see corruption. So, so Peter's acknowledging that, yes, Jesus did go to Hades, uh, but the key thing is he was not abandoned in Hades, nor was he in Hades long enough that he would see corruption. Um, uh, in fact, go ahead and read Acts, read the rest of that, uh, like Acts 2, 29 through 32. Okay, uh, let's see here. All right. Uh, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. So, so the point is, you cannot simply say Hades will not prevail over the church, because yes, everybody in the church is going to die. Even Jesus Christ went to Hades. He, he died. But, but the comfort we have, and this is the great thing about being a Christian, being in the church, is that Hades will not prevail, okay? It did not prevail. The gates of Hades, the place of Hades as, as a place of imprisonment, right? Isn't that what uh, uh, Peter says in his letter, that Jesus went down to the, and preached to the prisons, the spirits in mm -hmm. prison, see? So, so the gates of Hades, the thing where we're locked up, we're in prison, where we can't get out, where there's this chasm that we can't pass from one side or the other. No, 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 no. That will not prevail over us. Uh, Jesus has shown us that. He was not prevailed over by the gates of Hades. Even though he went to Hades, he he rose again. Uh, Jesus, God raised up, and of that we're all witnesses. In fact, one one final really great passage, Revelations 1, verse 18. And the living one, uh, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys <laughs> to death and Hades. All right, and that's, of course, Jesus there in Revelation 1, and, and that's the great comfort. He has the keys of death and Hades. So again, that's that's my thought. That's why Jesus says the gates of Hades will not prevail over the church. Hades as a place for the dead, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and in fact, Matt, and you and I all have people we love and we care for who are not with us because they did. They, they went down to Hades. Uh, but the great comfort is because of Jesus Christ, uh, their soul shall not see corruption. I love that that uh, verse there. Uh, they will not be abandoned in Hades, but indeed Jesus Christ, who has the keys to the gates of Hades, uh, he's going to resurrect them. He's going to uh, bring them back to life, and we will be joined together with them uh, in uh, worship of Christ in heaven. So anyway, uh, any comments about that, Matt? That was just my thought. But yeah, I know it's beautiful that the that place of Hades, that place of death, uh, it couldn't hold Jesus. Those gates couldn't hold Jesus in. And because uh, Jesus broke free, uh, so also they can't hold us in either. Uh, that we're yeah. free from death and Hades ultimately as, as Christ's people. So it brings us back to the issue 
uh, is he talking about Peter here when he says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And indeed, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Uh, and, and just in conclusion, I, I want to say, uh, I, I don't think he's talking just about Peter there. In fact, you can find very similar things said uh, later on in Matthew 18. Uh, in John 20, uh, we have this binding and this loosing. Um, and, and in both of those verses, it's not just given to Peter. It's given to all the apostles. It's given, as a text says, to the church, um, which I think is an exciting thing that you have in your life, Matt, and, and that Jesus, the one who ultimately holds the keys, the one who's uh, opened the doors of, of death and Hades, he's now given those keys to you. Uh, and when you stand up on a Sunday morning and you tell people, hey, here's the deal, your sins are forgiven, they really are forgiven. So, um, well, Matt, thank you. Uh, this has been another episode of Wrestling, Wrestling with the Basics. With the basics. <laughs>